I'm Kirby Falk, and this is the Kirby Method Podcast. This is the podcast for former athletes looking for something they love as much as their sport, whether it be a career, hobby, side gig, or new exercise routine. This is the Kirby Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Kirby. Hi team, so glad you could join us today. I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with Maddie O'Meara, former cross country and track and field athlete from Stanford University. Maddie, thanks so much for joining today. I'm happy to be here. This is fun. Yeah. Okay, let's jump right in. Can you give us a little backstory of your athletic career? Sure. So uh, as a young child, I uh, played all, all sports, and um, over time towards high school, I, I narrowed in on a couple of sports, specifically uh, soccer. I was playing year-round on a club team as well as for my high school team, and long-distance running. I was on the track team at my high school in the spring season and uh, loved both sports, uh, but had a little bit more success uh, in running than I did in soccer. And so when it came to making decisions around collegiate athletics, I leaned in uh, into my running background and came to Stanford and joined as a long distance runner. And what that meant is not only was I doing long distance track in the spring, but I was also on the cross-country team and indoor track. And so uh, my roommate my freshman year liked to um, tell the story of how I was a tri-varsity athlete, (laughs) Uh, even though I was really only doing one thing, which was um, running far. Uh, but multiple multiple seasons. Yeah, so yeah. It, it pretty much ended up be, being year round. Uh, we would get a week off uh, for Christmas break and a week off after uh, spring season ended, and that's about it. Otherwise, I feel like that's a whole other podcast worth. But <laughs> talk about not giving your body a break and yeah. being overtrained. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Cool, but fun. Very fun. Uh, yeah, I think. If I had to pick like the two to three most rewarding things about my college experience, um, running at Stanford would be definitely right in the middle of that mix. Cool. like it. So let's jump right into our main focus for today. So the big question I always like to ask is, what's the biggest challenge you've faced in transitioning to life post-sport? That is a big question. Um, So for me, I was pretty competitive at the collegiate level. Uh, By my last year, I qualified for nationals in track and and ran at nationals in cross country. Uh, But it was pretty clear that I did not have a professional future in athletics. Um, And I knew that pretty much from day one of joining at Stanford. Um, So my whole career uh, at school, I was sort of pairing the importance of understanding what I wanted to do professionally in a working setting um, against um, my love and commitment to my sport. Um, So I I think I had a good backbone because I was always sort of um, doing that 50-50 mix between the two. And uh, when I came out of Stanford uh, and joined the working world, I um, started my career and continue to have a career in 
marketing. Um, and I think the biggest struggle that I have felt, and I think this is both a product of my experience in a structured um, sport environment and just how my personality works, is that the lack of structure was tough. Uh, I had gone from you do XYZ in running to achieve you know, performance goals. Um, you aim for a certain time, you have a training plan to get there, uh, and also with school, it was a very clear path to uh, achievement and success. And once I exited both of those worlds simultaneously, it was um, hard to get my footing around. What does success look like? What does it mean for me? How do I get there? Uh, and that's something that I continue to mm -hmm. find challenging. Yeah. Was that something that you were expecting when you were wrapping up college or facing the end of both, you know, college academics and running or was it more of a surprise for yeah, you? Yeah, um, it was definitely expected. I was actually dreading it <laughs> for uh, quite some time. And I think uh, that dread initially pushed me down a career path um, that I ultimately did not go down, which was uh, medicine. Um, one of my reasons for being attracted to that field was that it was a continuation of the same sort of regimented structure um, for at least another, you know, five to ten years <laughs> uh, in terms of going to med school and then mm -hmm. residency and fellowship. Um, and it just felt like a nice structured way to know that at the end of that process, I'd be very well trained, um, have a skill set that was adding value to the world and that I would get compensated well for. And so I continued on that path way longer than I should have, I think. Um, and part of my dread around getting out of a less out of that structured environment, I think, kept me in that um, space for too long. Um, so I guess the short answer to or long-winded answer is uh, I was aware that it was going to happen uh, and afraid of it. <laughs> yes, I think as a lot of people are. I think this is, you're hitting on a really good point. I've had this conversation with multiple folks in looking at the transition out of sport and out of school is you go from having this path, this structure, it's very black and white in terms mm -hmm. of what is success. Mm -hmm. Like in soccer, I felt that very much too, where it's like, I go from, I know that, Hey, like winning the pac 12 championship or, you know, scoring this many goals or like, it's very quantitative mm -hmm. in terms of an easy tangible. to see mm -hmm. tangible exactly in terms of what a success looks like and as a student too right like oh I, I need to continue to get the good grades and and it's very black and white mm -hmm. and then I think I had a similar experience where it's like okay well there are some structured paths I could take like med school or if I want to become a lawyer or maybe even the consulting route you mm -hmm. could argue or maybe becoming a teacher um are a little bit more structured and I had a I had a lot of friends mm -hmm. go those routes. Uh, and I think there's this other whole whole other sea of abyss that people don't really talk about or realize that probably, you know, 80% of students end up in that, in that lack of structure. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about 
like, uh, I'd love to hear the emotions and thoughts. If you're taking yourself back to that time of what that felt like realizing that you didn't have the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the first time that I had very strong emotions related to that was, uh, towards the tail end of my junior year when I finally realized maybe medicine is not the right track and I what made you realize that I had I had just been going down this path of making myself eligible to go to medical school but was always looking for the like ultimate signal that it was the right choice for me um, some strong pull or like an innate passion, like in the same way that I had a passion for sport, I was hoping I would in some way over time by shadowing doctors, by taking on the coursework, that that would surface and it, it, it didn't. So that was sort of one thing. And then secondly, um, I had a poignant experience where, um, I had a classmate, um, get pretty ill with a stomach virus of some sort, and I did not like uh, being around somebody who was not well, Mm. and I didn't think I was a good caretaker, so that was another signal, Um, and so I had those two markers, and I was already so far along on this path and only had one year left to graduate and was in this major that was a very good um, sort of base line for the pre-med path but not great for getting other jobs and so I had to sit down and face reality and say okay now what and um, that was my first time I think that I can ever recall where I didn't know what to do next Mm. Um, and it felt quite debilitating for a while. I, w- I just kind of sat there and uh, didn't know what to do and um, eventually got around uh, to reading through the entire course catalog front to back to try and figure out by reading um, course descriptions, like, is there anything else here that feels like it could resonate with me and that I could complete rather quickly mm-hmm. given um, the timeline of just one year remaining and it was kind of an ad hoc uh semi-structured process I guess because I had um done that review of the course catalog and sort of understood what was feasible and um landed on uh not at a major switch but adding on a master's okay uh, in management science and engineering um and from there I think it was um a good sort of first um, experience in this new world of not knowing and um, learning the hard way that there are um, slowdown points, but there are mechanisms to get through it. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear more about how you got through it or how you started to even figure out how to define success. Yeah. Um, so my general philosophy is 
never reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. I'm all about efficiency. I think I learned that from long distance running and just the nature of having to balance, uh, you know, 20 hours of practice a week with schoolwork. Um, and so I looked around at people that were doing something that seemed intriguing to me um, in, in a profession and in, um, you know, their academics because I was still in school. And from there started having conversations about like, where my interests were, where I think my skill set is, how can I make this transition from pre-med into something else, um, and leaned heavy on sort of those informational interviews. Um, so you had a lot of different informational interviews or coffee chats, I call them sometimes, where you yeah. pick someone's brain in terms of what they're studying or focused on or what their um, job look like. Based yeah. On, okay. Yeah, and um, just on my team, I had uh, several individuals who were a year or two ahead of me who um, were doing things um, in management science and engineering or related fields that um, I could talk to. So I had that sort of baked-in network through sport, which was very helpful. What a wonderful resource. Mm -hmm. I found I've leaned very heavily on my <laughs> network of yeah. athletic friends in terms of their other careers and what mm -hmm. they're working on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, so you had different informational interviews and coffee chats with folks and then did you shadow people? Did you uh, try any internships? I know, I just, and I ask because I know that I think career is one aspect of our lives, mm -hmm. of our life, um, and it's a really big one. And I think that's one of the biggest questions I hear from student athletes is they're really focused on I got to find a job, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, so looking for any insight or advice you have in terms of um, how to define that success or figure out what might what you might be interested in yeah I think experiential learning is critical uh, in helping both define success and in sort of experience um, what you like and where you get energy um, for me I think I started later than I ought to have because I had been on this pre-med path for so long. My um, my internships were all in research labs. It was like checking the box um, against things that med schools like to see. Um, and I did not have my first real life, more corporate work experience until after my senior year, uh, which is when I was transitioning into the master's program. And then I had a interview or interview I had a um, internship excuse me um, at a company that was in the health space because at the time I was still sort of figuring out how fully do I want to explore this thing that isn't practicing medicine and so it felt like a really good way to sort of have my cake and eat it too um, and just by chance through a, a relationship with somebody who I knew from at school, um, got connected to a woman who was looking for um, an intern. Um, and there my projects project was analytics focused and just so happened to sit underneath the marketing department uh, 
beyond that, I had zero exposure to what marketing was at the time. So it was kind of an interesting so you just um, fell into happenstance it. <laughs> uh, that that is now where I am 10 years later is still in that same career. Um, I think that is somewhat common um, for people to not necessarily actively choose their um, department or career, uh, but learn over time that it's a good fit. And so I feel lucky that it uh, worked out in that way. And since then have primarily focused uh, in marketing in health tech, but recently transitioned outside of healthcare uh, just to expand my awareness and see what tech marketing looks like. Very cool. So how do you, like, how do you define success now? So you talk about one of the biggest challenges is there is not that structure and like that definition of success is not clear anymore and it's something that you're creating on your own. Uh, how have you, and I'm sure that definition of success evolves, continuously evolves, but how do you define success today? Yeah, it's a great question. How I define it today is actually different than how I defined it even a couple of years ago. Uh, so that's a separate story. But um, for me right now, um, I am trying to focus on what brings me uh, happiness is, is my number one guiding light. And um, always looking for opportunities to contribute and to grow. And so it's somewhat nebulous and it's more of a feeling than having like very clear metrics, but uh, it's my guideposts that I kind of come back to often. That's great. So when we dig into what does happiness mean? Like what does happiness, being happy in a job means? Does that mean that you're going to like everything that you do or are there going to be things that you don't like doing that you're going to do in your job? Like how do you... How do you think about that? Now, yeah. I don't want to, I don't, you know, not to put a lot of boxes around happiness, but uh, for those who are, you know, thinking about how they want to define, you know, their career and define what success looks like, how do you, how do you kind of form that? I think it kind of leans on the other two pillars I talked about. Uh, I, I think by the nature of who I am as a person and through my training in sport have a um, predilection to just want to always be better, do better, uh, contribute more. And so, so long as the stuff that I'm doing at work feels like it's um, helping me grow in my profession is clearly aligned to business critical projects or objectives um, and I find a lot of value in uh, receiving kudos or thanks for the work that I produce. Um, I wish I had more intrinsic uh, understanding of the value but um, for me it's always helpful and makes me happy when people are acknowledging the effort. I found a little bit of a side tangent, but it's helpful 
to get an understanding of how you like to receive feedback and how you mm-hmm. like to be supported by those around you. Mm-hmm. I'm similar where I like to receive external kudos for the work that I'm doing and knowing that about myself that helps me actually communicate that to my manager Mm -hmm. Uh, and so then they're aware of the best ways that I receive feedback Mm -hmm. and what what also helps me do my best at at work Mm -hmm. Um, so then they're aware of that yeah and I think related to that even on the on the flip side um, I think by growing up in a competitive sports environment where you're so used to getting um, constructive information from your coach. Um, That's something that I put near the very top of what I value in a relationship with a manager and uh, peers and anyone that I work with is having that external information about how am I actually doing and where can I grow. I think we're touching on a couple different skills that athletes have that you may not realize you have when you're transitioning to life post-sport. Um, one I think you've touched on is like is work ethic, mm-hmm. um, and motivation and efficiency, mm-hmm. right? So like wanting to, uh, be as efficient as possible, get that work done. Also as an athlete, I think a lot of us have intrinsic, um, motivation or value in growing and mm-hmm. learning. And that's very important. That's how we like can feel fulfillment, uh, and then also the importance of constructive feedback because, mm-hmm. uh, I think for myself personally, constructive feedback, I like it to be constructive, uh, and I do like to receive kudos with the feedback. Um, but as an athlete, like we receive, I mean, you receive constructive feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be much more direct than what you're receiving in a work setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of value in that because you're primed and ready for that in the, in the working world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. So we've talked a bit about career and in the sense of how do you define success um and you talked a little bit about your transition to your first role I'd love to hear your thoughts because this is something that I hear from you know student athletes or those that are early on in their careers I think they put a lot of pressure on themselves that their first job is going to be the perfect job and they're going to be you know uh, very happy and fulfilled in that first job. And then they do that first job and then the rest of their life happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, maybe based through your own experience and what your career um, looked like um, for any, you know, advice for people in terms of how their careers evolve. And if that first job, how important that first job is, mm-hmm. I guess, like to set you up. Yeah. So there's a lot baked in there. Um, I'll say from my own personal experience, I think I got pretty lucky in having a great fit for my first role. And I think in part it was because I had previously interned there. Uh, and so I had a strong idea of what the work culture was like, what my responsibilities and day to day would be and knew that I could generate happiness from being there. Um, so I guess my takeaway for listeners on that one is be it your first job or your fifth job, wherever you can find ways to test the experience in advance of signing up for it full time. I wholly recommend that I've done it uh, in several instances Uh, not just that first internship, but since then, every job 
transition that I've had. I have um, left full-time work and taken time to reflect and then joined something new as a contractor. Um, save this most recent one, I guess. Uh, that was slightly different. But um, I think if you can't do that, um, finding uh, people who have previously worked at the company who can give you an honest um, sort of lay of the land of what it's going to be like is super important. Um, what was the rest of the question? <laughs> <laughs> it was a long-winded question and an open-ended question. Uh, it was thinking about um, how much, you know, how much oh, pressure, pressure. we put yes. in on ourselves yes, yes, for, like, yes. that first job. Even though I do yeah. want to put it, like, and what you're talking about here, I think it is really important. It's what we'd also term prototyping mm -hmm. um, in design thinking mm -hmm. language. If any ways you can test out the experience, whether it's through an internship, if you could pick up consulting projects on the side while you're in your current job, totally. if you can talk to people who used to work there recently or currently mm -hmm. work there. Like I found that I lean on my network a lot and mm -hmm. like you can always find someone who knows someone who mm -hmm. works there or has has worked there yeah. um, to help you really understand the day-to-day. -day. I'm also a huge fan. People are just really nice, and if you just reach out, I've had people come let me shadow them, mm -hmm. <laughs> even like I don't really know them that well, but they're kind of a connection through someone. Um, anything that you can do to like get a sense, I yeah. would say. I think that's just so spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And 100% uh, agree. And on the question around uh, how important is the first job, uh, we have long careers. Like if you start working right out of school or, you know, 10 years later, you still have several decades probably that you're going to be uh, working. And so um, the first job does not have to be the perfect job, I think, so long as you are guided in that choice by some fundamental principles around what you're looking for. Um, that will help increase the odds it's a good fit. But uh, the average tenure, I think, in the Bay Area for a job is like a year and a half. Uh, so you're going to have lots of jobs uh, in that many decades experience. So don't put too much pressure on making it perfect, would be my advice. Um, and then once you're in that job and doing the work and doing the reflection around where you get happiness and value out of what you're doing, uh, use that net new information to sort of inform how you go about looking for a new position within the same company or uh, new projects that you can work on to develop a skill set that will help you better position for a new job at a different place, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think just being mindful uh, and open to growth and different and new opportunities uh, is a good approach. Thank you. So you talked about what your definition of success is today, um, three different pillars. So if you were to give uh, your thoughts or advice on how to come up with your own definition of success, what would your advice be? Because I think that's the big question here. Yeah. And I think it's, there's no one right answer and it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. And I think, like, I think for that was, this is one of my biggest struggles coming out of sports and college uh, and professional sports too. 
you have such a structure and then all of a sudden you can literally go do anything that you mm-hmm. want. You can go travel for three years, assuming that you have the funds to do so, but like you can go just traveling and just go off into no man's land and do that. You could go become a doctor. You yeah. could go, I don't know, like go work for a tech manufacturing plant somewhere, go work on a ship. You could join the Marines. Like there's literally infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden going from this, I don't know, there's almost like almost only like two or three tracks to choose from to like infinite, uh, I think is such a big challenge and experience that a lot, if not every athlete, um, faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what I would say, and I wish I had done this earlier, but I went through this exercise last year. And this is something that you know very well, Kirby, um, the value of doing like a design your life type activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that in two different ways. When I read the book, Design yeah, Your so Life. Yeah, so it's called Design Your Life or Designing Your Life. I think it's called, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. It's called Designing Your Life um, by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. They're the founders of the Stanford Design School. So highly recommend checking out that book yes definitely a must read uh and they've got a bunch of activities in there uh so don't just read through the content you actually have to do the work to understand uh what's important to you and i think there's also exercises in there where you go external into your network to um get information about how how you're perceived and um what your skill set is uh, so I did that and, and married it with uh, an online program that had similar endpoints. Um, when I had left my last company and sort of had this uh, crisis of consciousness about my professional identity and started to try and be a software engineer. <laughs> um and about three months. Yeah, you took a coding boot camp, right? I did. Which was so cool. It was cool. I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. I scratched that itch that had been there for a long so time. So you prototyped. You tried it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that prototype, I learned that it wasn't the greatest choice for me to <laughs> sort of reorient my Which is great because that. before you invested a bunch of money in school right. or training or exactly. going full-fledged on a job somehow, uh, you were able to test it out through a boot camp. Yes. So that was super helpful. And then coming out of that experience where I realized, okay, I'm not going to go through all this training and expense to try and become a software engineer. It's not the right fit. I asked the question to myself, well, then what is the right fit? And that's when I started doing all this work about designing your life. Um, And through that was able to uh, better define for me what success ought to be and where I get energy and joy and happiness and um, actually came back to the same field that I have been doing uh, which is product marketing and I think you know on a service level it looks like nothing happened because I'm back in the, in the same place but um, what intrinsically I acquired is um, the knowledge and self-awareness that I am now actively choosing this career path because it's the best fit for me rather than just following a path because I like that it's semi-structured and because I'm generally good at it. Now I'm doing it because I want to do it and because I derive value from it. That's such a good point. 
So you're now, you're being meaningful Mm -hmm. and thoughtful about the path you're creating versus just being on the path because it is a path. Correct. And what I love about the Designing Your Life exercises and book is you go through the different areas of your life and under kind of like health, career, I think love and something else, Mm -hmm. fun, play. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of say, okay, where do I feel full? Where do I not feel so full? You do some fun creative brainstorming around if you could design any life, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. And it really gets you to think outside the box. Uh, And like, I think it's so valuable. I've, I've done the exercises I probably do for a refresh here pretty (laughs) soon. And it's just, it's really nice to uh, create a, or have a bit of a framework when you think about what is defining success look like because how you define success may look very different than how I define success mm-hmm. and I think as athletes success means the same thing winning it means winning <laughs> and it means being the best <laughs> and it means being the best whatever mm-hmm. that looks like in your sport and all of a sudden you're in this catapulted into this world where I mean success for me could be I actually, I want to teach yoga and live in Bali and like, you know, live in a commune and do that or what, you know, and success of someone else could be like, actually, you know, money's important to me and I want to work the um, finance or bank ladder and work my way up. And so I think one of my biggest takeaways has been success looks different for everyone. And how do you, if you're going to climb a ladder, make sure the, the ladder you're climbing is leaned up against the the right wall mm-hmm. for you. I like that. Okay. So I think it's time to wrap up here. Uh, before we do some rapid fire questions, I have one more question for you. Uh, and that is, why do you think it's important to talk about athletes transition out of their sports careers? I think that is a very important topic. Um, both from my personal experience and uh, just because it's tough and it's tough for everyone. So again, going back to the, you don't have to reinvent the wheel um, thing that I was talking about earlier, you don't have to go at it alone. And so communicating with your peers and with people who have gone through it before and leveraging that network to, um, learn about things in a non-sport environment that could be a career launcher for you is really critical. Thank you for saying that. I think it's a tough transition and it's not talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have some space to acknowledge that. Tough is okay. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So some rapid fire questions. You ready? I'm ready. Who is an inspirational role model for you? So the first person that comes to mind is my mom. Probably get that a lot. Um, Moms are special. Moms are very special. Uh, My mom is more than anyone I've ever met before very strong in her values and her convictions and uh, will be willing to have her character sort of demeaned in order for the things that she thinks are important to be followed through. And that's something that I am not as great at. And so whenever I'm sort of being bent in a direction uh, because I think 
you know, going in that direction will get me more external kudos. I try and reflect and say, but is it the right thing? And she's somebody who I look to for that. What role do sports play in your life post-sports career? So, a uh, big one. Um, I have always loved sports. Doing them, spectating them, uh, I'm probably... I don't know, in the top 5% in terms of sports fans that I've ever encountered. Um, my partner would um, say that it's, I don't know, a little bit overly involving at times. Um, as an example, uh, I think I watched all but two of the World Cup games uh, Love last it. summer. Love it. Ones that started at 3 in the morning, and I went to a bar to watch. So Love it. Uh, big sports fan. Um, since my running career ended, uh, I have continued running. Um, in the last year, it's been mostly just for uh, like my own pseudo-meditation and for fitness and just a release. Um Prior to that, I was doing uh, some marathons and ultra marathons, so I upped my distance, mainly because I did not feel good about working super hard and being slower <laughs> than ha how fast I went at my collegiate events. So that was sort of the motivator to go up. Didn't you do the New York Marathon? I did. Yeah, that was about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, which and, was an awesome experience. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I did. I've done Boston twice too, which was even more special. Yes, Boston and Boston Marathon just happened. Boston was in spring. Oh, sorry, uh, New, New York, York just, just happened. happened. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. New York's huge. It's fifty thousand people. I think it's the biggest or second yeah, biggest marathon. So in the world. Don't downplay so your uh, life post sport yeah. running career. Yeah, that's impressive. I think beyond that, one thing that I've really valued about um, my post collegiate sports sports career is the opportunity to do things on my own terms. So not only am I, you know, doing these marathons and being my own coach and setting my own goals and being excited when I achieve them, but I'm also making time to go back to my original sports love, which was soccer. So uh, played on some 7v7 teams with Kirby. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is super fun. <laughs> super fun. I'm trying to get back into it. So I love that, and I play golf, I cross-country ski, I, any, any opportunity to be active and learn a new sport and um, just be outside, and I, I, I love it. Do what's calling your name. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, if you, let's see, no, last question, rapid fire. How do you find inspiration? Um... I think if I had to boil it down to two things, I guess starting with sport, um, of late, the way I get inspired is by watching people who are really good <laughs> in what they do. Um, I spectated the New York Marathon on TV uh, the other week, and that got me fired up and starting to turn the wheels around trying to get fit again. Um, for running and uh, I think outside of sport I, I, I also kind of do this sort of learn get inspired by spectating I love to be surrounded by people who 
are really good at what they do. And for me, that is uh, one of the biggest motivators is to see, see what good is, be a contributor to that success, um, and to also understand how what I'm working on aligns to the bigger whys of, uh, of the work. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. It was a fun time. <laughs>